Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to tell you something that happened last Sunday morning. It was very um, emphatic how the Lord dealt with me. And um, I shared it there, and the Lord uh, in, has assigned me to continue and to bring it here and to share with you because we are one. And um, this applies to us in every area. The Lord dealt with me very strongly, and he gave me a specific scripture, Joshua chapter 3. We're going to receive the tithe and the offering at the end of the service today because I want to go right into what we have just to make sure I'm able to cover what I need to cover today. When Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4, this is when... Joshua is beginning to take over the leadership of the children of Israel to lead them into the promised land, and they're about to cross over the river, and he gives them specific instruction about the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. The presence of God dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant, or he would come down and and reside upon the mercy seat when the, the tabernacle was set up and in place. And so, when he begins to give them instruction about the Ark of the Covenant, he says this specifically, and I'll read verse 3 to preempt this. He said, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, that was the leaders bearing the presence of God, then you will remove from your place and go after it. And then verse 4 was what he spoke to me. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. And this is what the Holy Spirit emphasized to me. That you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So he is telling them, position yourself in a proximity so that you are aware of how the Holy Spirit's moving. So that you are aware the direction that he's going. And this is what the Lord brought to me, and then he gave me this specific instruction. He said, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith. Require was the word that he really spotlighted to me. He said, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith. That doesn't bring fear to us. That's not supposed to make us worry about what does that mean, what's happening Well, we can just read the Bible and know what's happening. We are the light and we're getting lighter and the darkness is the darkness and it's getting darker. (laughs) And perilous times will come, but they don't come to us. We are the ones who are protected in the land of Goshen. We are the ones who are the the, uh, tree planted by the rivers of living water. We are the one who will not see when heat comes. Amen. So he's not telling us that to bring fear about things to come, but he's telling us so that we will prepare ourselves and discipline ourselves and become even more diligent about the walk of faith. So he said, 
we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith. And then he, he pointed out specifically another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. Another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. It was as if he was highlighting specifically the walk of faith. What is the walk of faith? It is being skillful in walking in the Spirit. Being skillful in walking in the Spirit. And then he gave me five specific areas for us to begin to focus on. He said, number one, know the leading with a certainty. Know the leading of God with a certainty. So that we're not having to spend days trying to figure out, was that really God speaking to me? But that we become so acquainted with his voice, so acquainted with his leading, so acquainted with the way he deals with us, that the enemy can't duplicate it, the enemy can't manipulate our decisions, our activities. We won't just just dismiss or pull it up into our reasoning and reason away the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we will be so certain that's the leading of the Spirit that we will act on it. So he says, know the leading with the certainty. And, you know, you can't get that by the laying on of hands. You can't get that by, by just, you know, reading, uh, reading your Bible once a week or attending church every now and then. For you to know the leading with the spirit of the Spirit of God with a certainty, you're going to have to walk with him every day. And you're going to have to let him lead you on things that don't seem significant. Think he would not he would he would prefer to deal with us and teach us his voice when it's not a major major life changing decision that then we have to figure out am I hearing from God or not but we've been practicing on the small things and so we know this is how God dealt with me here and so this is how he deals that I recognize him from these previous instances of how he dealt with me. So that was number one, know the leading with a certainty. Number two, practice obedience. Practice obedience. Now, I'm not saying don't be disobedient. <laughs> we know that is like a deep, by default. Don't, don't disobey God. But there are a lot of good, God-fearing, Jesus-loving, blood-washed people who get an instruction from God and put it on the shelf and they haven't acted on it yet. And they'll say, you know, God told me to do that three months ago. God told me to do that five years ago. You know, God's always dealt with me that I should do that. We want to be those who, when he gives us an instruction, when he, when he directs us in a way, that we practice obedience to that, and that, of course, includes practicing obedience to the Word. Number three, he said, there, develop humility and the love walk. Develop humility and the love walk, and they are connected because there is no pride in a developed love. If you are walking in the love of God, pride is not prominent, <laughs> So humility is something that has to be developed. Jesus said, learn this of me. So he said for us to develop humility and the love walk. Number four, he said, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. 
The fruit of the Spirit is vital. And if you'll remember in my book, Pressure No Problem, we went through each one of the different fruit of the Spirit to see how they work to help us overcome the pressures of life. He said the fruit of the Spirit is vital. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of God, and He's given it to us so that we can walk victoriously. The gifts of the Spirit is the power of God, and He's given that to us so that we can demonstrate His goodness and demonstrate his liberty and his, his freedom and his, his reality to the world. But the fruit of the Spirit is for your victory. The fruit of the Spirit is for you to walk above every circumstance and situation. And he said it's vital. So we're going to be learning more about the fruit of the Spirit in days to come. And then finally, number five, the trust in God, his ways and his word are safeguards. Now, I'm not just saying trusting in God. He said trusting in God and trusting his ways and trusting his word. If we do that, we set up safeguards for our life. Amen. So, so this is our homework. When you see me, I will be endeavoring over the next however long until the Lord releases me from it or gives me something else to add to it giving our attention to this because I want us to be walking accurately in the things that God has for us. Amen? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to be led at a higher level. Do you think that you could develop from where you are in the following the leading of the Lord? I can. All of us. None of us have arrived at the utmost prominence or proficiency in being able to follow the leading of the Lord, we can all gain skill in this area. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 and let's, let's dig in and let the Holy Spirit reveal things to us today. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. Ephesians five fifteen. See then that you walk circumspectly. I've never used that word other than reading it from the Bible. Do you, do you use that one you pull out and you say, you know, today I was very circumspectful. Aaron uses it. Yeah. <laughs> Develop humility. No, I'm just teasing. The, the, he's like, yeah, yeah. Circumspectly. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does circumspectly mean? If we're supposed to walk circumspectly, he said, that we're entering a season where the, there's a requirement for the faith walk. That this developing a new a skill, a greater skill in walking in the Spirit. And now we find a scripture that tells us to walk circumspectly. Let me see the Amplified. The Amplified gives us three definitions for this word circumspectly. Hallelujah. Helping us out. First, he begins by saying, live purposefully. Look carefully then how you walk, how you walk. And so then he says, live purposefully. So walk is always talking about daily life. When you're talking about the walk of faith, it's talking about your daily walk of faith. When we're talking about walking in the Spirit, we're talking about every day living out of who you are in Christ and not living out of your flesh, not living out of the intellect, but letting your born-again spirit guide the intellect, guide the emotions, guide the decisions of your life. So he says, live 
purposefully, worthily, and accurately. So we know we're talking about purpose of the word, God's purposes, purposing of the kingdom, live purposefully and worthily, worthy of the word or, or um, that which would ascribe worth, worthily, live worthily of the blood that has washed you, right? And accurately. That's also how the Weiss translation says, Kenneth E. Weiss, new ex, uh, the expanded translation of the New Testament says, be constantly taking heed how accurately you are conducting yourselves. Constantly taking heed how accurately you are conducting yourselves. So there we go again to our daily life, how I'm conducting myself on a daily basis, how I'm living my life, how I am interacting with the people on my, on my job, how I'm interacting with my family, how I am interacting with God. I am living accurately for who I am in Christ, living accurately for who he has made me to be as a new creature in Christ Jesus. You know, when it says in James that the man who looks into the mirror of the word and forgets what he saw in the word and walks away and doesn't act on it, that man is deceiving himself. He's deceiving himself. Well, the mirror of the word of God reveals to us who we are. You know, you might say, I don't feel like that I am this, or I don't feel like I'm righteous. I don't feel like I'm an heir of God. I don't feel like, but we have to go and let the word of God identify, you know, I've never seen my face without a mirror. You've never seen your face with your eyes straight looking at your face. You've had to look at a mirror to see your face. Am I, think about it. So you, for you to see who you are, God uses that same illustration to let you know you can't see yourself with your eyes looking straight on at who you are in Christ without the mirror of the word. You have to look at the mirror to see your face. And you have to look at the word of God to see yourself in Christ. And so he says, live accurately. Accurately to what? To what I've seen in the word. Who the Word says I am, what the Word says I can do, what the Word says about my life. Live accurately, live purposefully, live worthily of what you have received. So he says, how accurately you are conducting yourself, constantly taking heed, how accurately you are conducting yourself. In other words, this is something that will be on my radar next week, next year, Five years from now if the Lord tarries, ten years from now if the Lord tarries, I am going to be taking heed constantly how I conduct myself in Christ. And so it goes on to say that not as fools, but as wise. The word of God is the source of our wisdom. Without the word, we are limited to natural human reasoning or or previous experience and neither one of those are going to help us live accurately so we need the word of God the wisdom so see then that you walk circumspectly purposefully worthily 
accurately, not as fools, but as wise. And what will be the result? We will redeem the time. Redeeming the time. When we become wise, we recognize a different value system. The wisdom of God allows us to see the values that God has placed on things. A lot of people have a value of gold that is different from the value of gold that God has. God uses gold to pave his streets. And a lot of people put gold above God. Do you see the value system? The value system of time is another thing that we need to let the wisdom of God direct us in. Because time is the most valuable asset you and I have. Time is something you can't replace. We all have a a certain amount of time. We all have an allotment of time. Now, that doesn't mean there's an expiration date and on a certain day, a person that, no, we are going to have long, satisfying lives. But there is no one here today on the planet from the 1800s. They're not here, right? So we all have the time that we have in walking in the Word of God. Have you ever noticed in Proverbs that it says that when you apply the wisdom of God, He will give you length of days and long life. What's length of days and long life? Well, the promise of long life is attached to my walking in the wisdom of God, but also length of days. Length of days means that I am using, I am able to accomplish in that span of time. I am able to direct my time so that I have enough time in my day to accomplish what I need to do with my life. When we find ourselves overwhelmed and trying to do too much in in not enough time, we need to go back to the Word and evaluate what have I added to my responsibilities that God didn't put on me? Or what have I added to my time? That I, what, have, what am I spending my time on that is allowing my time to get away from me? Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't have enough time to do that, but you spent 30 minutes scrolling through social media. Do you see the redeeming of the time? Do you see the wisdom? And so time is an asset that we need to direct like we would direct money. When we begin to become wise with our money, we don't let it just go wherever on whatever whim we have. We learn about impulse spending. We learn just not to even go by that area that is set up for impulse buying. Don't even just direct the children. If you got the kids with you, take them away from that aisle. Avoid that aisle because you know they're going to get over there and they're the ones that are being targeted. It's right there on their eye level. Mommy, I want that. (laughs) Why is that there? (laughs) Who put that there to make my child start wanting that and, and begging me to get it for them? Amen? Those, those things we've got to recognize. Time is like money. 
I've got to direct it, and I've got to guard it, and I've got to put the priorities in my time. When, when finances, when you begin to apply wisdom to finances, you begin to give an assignment to your finances instead of letting your, your finances uh, be answering every demand that comes in. You say, no, wait, wait, here's what we're going to do first. We've got to have a, a roof over it. We're, first of all, we're going to honor God with the tithe, and then we're going to pay our rent or our mortgage, right? And then we're going to make sure we have gas money so that we can get to our jobs so that we can have some food coming in and, and money coming in, right? And then we're going to make sure that we've got uh, food and utilities. And so we've, we've got to put in priority what needs to, what must be paid, and then impulses and, and, and desires, they come down at the bottom of the list. And if you don't do that, you'll get your paycheck and you'll start with the impulse. You'll say, let's go to Mexican tonight. Come on, let's go get some enchiladas and let's, get, let's, go, let's go to the movies. Let's go do this. Let's go buy that thing we were wanting and then wait, I don't have enough to pay the, the things that I got to have. You see the difference? The wisdom is the only difference. The wisdom is the only difference. Well, the same thing is true with our time. I remember my grandmother, a godly woman, who, who uh, raised me from the time that I was probably kindergarten through third grade. And I remember asking her when she got towards the end of her life on earth. And she said, if I could do things differently, I would have spent more time playing with you and your brother instead of constantly in the kitchen. Because she was, I remember my grandmother in the kitchen. That's where she was all the time. (laughs) In the kitchen or in the garden. And she said, I would have spent more time playing with you and your brother while I had you with me than just constantly just working. And I look back and that, that always just, it stuck, it implanted in me that she looked back and she recognized, you know, the food was necessary, all the work was necessary, but I didn't give priority to the relationship while I had the available time, while I had the available access she had the time, but she was doing something else with her time and always sending us away, sending us to, to go do whatever while she cooked and cleaned. And So let the Lord lead your time priority. So he says, redeeming the time, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise... Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time. So he says, walk accurately. Redeeming the time. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. He makes a contrast. He says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Now, we've probably seen people who were drunk and how they acted when they were drunk. 
If, if you haven't seen it in person, maybe you've seen it on a TV program where they were showing someone who was behaving uh, wildly or, or not in full control of their senses. Why? Because they were under the influence of a substance. They were under the influence of that alcohol, and they were not themselves. They were not thinking accurately, thinking wisely. They were, they were responding because they were controlled by the alcohol. They were controlled by the alcohol. He said, don't be that, but I want you to be filled and controlled or under the influence of the Spirit of God. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with, be influenced by, be directed by, be under the influence of the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit. The Weiss translation says, be constantly controlled. Give me amplified on the screen if you would. Be constantly controlled by the Spirit. Is that possible? Can I do that? He's not going to force me to do that. The Holy Spirit is not going to force me to walk in the Spirit. When I say walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in the believer. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's in you. He's in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, but he's not going to make you walk with him. He's not going to make you talk to him, but he's there. And if we will yield to him and learn from him and invite him, our born-again spirit, directed by and guided by the Holy Spirit, that's how we walk in the spirit. That's how we walk in the Spirit. So it's living out of the born-again you. It's responding out of your spirit, who you are as a person alive unto God. But it's His guiding, His leading, His direction, and He is ever-present with us to help us. Not just in dire circumstances, but in every decision of our lives. So it says, be filled, and I like the Amplified, it says, and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Well, alcohol is a stimulant. That's what it's referred to. It's a, a, a scientific name for it. It's a stimulant. And it, it, it gets people acting a certain way. He said, I don't want you to be involved with that, but I want you to be stimulated by the Spirit of God. I want you to be under the influence of the Spirit of God. That's the will of God for our life is that we have such an interaction with His Holy Spirit that we are constantly, in every moment of every day, accessing His wisdom on the situation, asking Him how to handle this. He's available. Amen? So this accuracy, this ability to redeem the time is connected to our being guided by and led by the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, he has a conversation with his disciples. And in this conversation, he is, a, he is preparing them for things that are about to come. And he comes to his disciples, and he, from John 14 all the way through John 17, he covers specific areas of their lives that are about to have a significant change. He says, you know what? 
Before this, you have heard it said that you should uh, love your neighbor as yourself, but I'm going to raise the standard on love, and I'm going to say, I want you to love the way I have loved you. He said, before now, you have, uh, you have had um, uh, the Holy Spirit with you, but after this, he will be in you. And he begins to identify in this conversation specific things that are going to be vastly different than the way they were before. And in that conversation, he dealt so much with the way we interact with the Holy Spirit that we need to go back and see why he was emphasizing it the way he was emphasizing it and how we are to apply that to our lives as well. So let's go to John 14 and let's begin in verse 16 because we want to be led We want to be led by God. John 14, uh, and beginning in verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Another is the word that means exactly like The first, if you were to have a bowl of fruit and you were to give someone a banana and then a few hours later you would say, do you want another piece of fruit? If you gave them an orange, it's not the same word another. In order for you to use this word that is identified in John 14, it would need to be another of the exact same kind. And so you would say, do you want another? And you would hand them a banana because an orange isn't exactly like the first piece. It's a piece of fruit, but it's not just like what they had before. So using this word in the original language, there are two different words for another. And that's why we look at it to recognize Jesus identified the Holy Spirit as being exactly like him. Now think about that. Because I've had, I've had people say things like, you know, if Jesus was here, well, the Holy Spirit, is just, he is here to, to lead us the way Jesus would lead us if Jesus was here. He is here to instruct us. And if Jesus was standing there instructing you, he wouldn't say it any differently than how the Holy Spirit says it. Exactly what the Holy Spirit says is how Jesus would say it. Exactly what the Holy Spirit advises is how Jesus would advise you. The counsel that the Holy Spirit gives us is exactly the same as the counsel that Jesus himself would give us. He says he is another one exactly like me. He's exactly like me, another. And then he uses the word comforter. This word comforter is such a big word that the Amplified has to use like seven different words to define it. Put up the Amplified because it's a power-packed word. It's the word paraclete and the compound word paraclete, the para means side by side and it means uh, to partner with. And the word clete means to be called, appointed, or summonsed. Called, appointed, or summonsed. So the Holy Spirit, he is, 
He's in you, he dwells in you, but he works with you as if side by side, as if he's walking alongside with you, constantly available to help you to do some of the things we're going to learn about, but it's his summons, it's his appointment, it's his calling. God has specifically identified that the Holy Spirit's purpose on this earth is to help you and to help me to accurately live our lives for God. Hallelujah. So this word in the Amplified is so detailed. It says counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Hallelujah. That's who the Holy Spirit is to us. That's what is available in him. But not every believer is accessing that. Not every believer is interacting with him and allowing him to to be who he is in their life. And so we want to know how God has equipped us with this relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can yield to him and learn from him and let him lead us at a higher level. Do you think you could be led at a higher level? Do you think that, you know, God knows, God knows millions of ways to get you out of debt. He knows multiple, multiple ways to get you out of debt. How about we let him lead us? Lord, let lead me, right? How about we let him lead us? He knows, he knows, he knows the way for us to get our airplane. I'm just going to let him lead me. I just want him to counsel me. I want him to help me. Amen? Glory to God. Let the Lord lead you. (laughs) Praise God. So we want to find out who he is to us so we can let him be who he is to us. And we want to learn how to interact with him so that he can, can have his way in our life, his influence in our life at a greater capacity. So a lot of people still refer to, even when they took this uh, New Testament back in the King James time, they took the New Testament, and then often when it's referring to the Holy Spirit, they use the word it, the pronoun it. And so whenever I see it, I translate it to himself. He, he, Jesus said he, when he, the Holy Spirit, when he, the Spirit of truth, when he, so, so he is the third person of the Godhead, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. When um, we look at him as a person with a personality, it will help us to have a greater respect in the way we speak to him and the way that we, um, recognize him. So let's look at Romans chapter 8. Let's see the personality of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
So we see that the Holy Spirit, he has a mind. 1 Corinthians 12 and 11. I'm just going to, we're going to look at these and, and recognize them. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. But all these works that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the Holy Spirit has a will. We talk about the tripart being of man. We, have, we are a spirit. We have a soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our body our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we have a body. Well, the, the Holy Spirit is a person with a mind, a person with a will. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says that it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. That would identify he has emotions. To grieve the Holy Spirit. The word grieve means to make sorrowful or to cause grief or heaviness. So if the Holy Spirit can be grieved... He has emotions. Hallelujah. So when we look at him as a person, it helps us to interact with him as a person. The more that we know him, the more it's the interaction becomes fruitful in our lives. That we, we talk to him, that we inquire of him, that we show him respect. That we show the Holy Spirit respect. Right? He's, he's, when we speak of him, we speak of him with words that bring respect. Amen? Amen? When, when, when we say, let's say for instance, you're trying to work on your prayer time. And you say, okay Lord, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray before I start getting ready in the morning. So... I plan to meet you at 6 o'clock. And 6.05, you're hitting the snooze button again. And the Holy Spirit is like, I'm waiting. And you're like, wait a minute. I told the Holy Spirit 6 o'clock. Holy Spirit, I'm coming. <laughs> Here I am. Right? That I'm, I'm interacting with him as a, a person, the, the third person of the Godhead, this teacher who's been given to me. So let's find out what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Let's go back to John 14. John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And that doesn't mean we are uh, exempt from having the teaching in the local church or the teaching of our pastor. It's not taking away from the office of the pastor Jesus set the pastor in the church to perfect the saints as one of the, the main uh, um, interactions or, or gifts, ministry offices in the body of Christ. He's not saying that we don't need to be taught the word, but he's saying on those situations and circumstances and dealing with the interactions of our life, 
He'll teach us. He'll teach us in our marriage. He'll teach us how to, how to respect our husbands, ladies. He'll teach us how to submit. That does not come naturally. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to know how to answer with a soft answer that turns away wrath. Because everybody has flesh that wants to pull that attitude out and say, oh, no, you didn't just say that to me. And the Holy Spirit is like, hey, 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 soft answer, soft answer, soft answer. Yeah, that's right. Okay, soft answer. Soft answer, praise the Lord. Right? He will teach us. So it's talking about teaching us in, in our daily life, teaching us how to apply the word in our life, teaching us, listen, parents, when your children become teenagers and young adults, it's a whole new walk of, of love. It's a whole new walk of love. It's like, I've done everything to pour into you all of your life and equip you for great things. And now you think, I know nothing. Right? You need the help of the Holy Spirit to have patience and to walk in love. Love endures all things. Even the rolling of the eyes that that teenager doesn't approve of it. Doesn't say it's okay for you to do that. We'll correct it. We will instruct. But the Holy Spirit will help us. He teaches us all things. And he will bring all things to your remembrance. Thank you, Jesus. He will bring things to your remembrance. Things that God has said to you. Things that Jesus has said to you. Things that you have let slip. You know, the book of Hebrews warns us that we need to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard so that we don't let them slip. Sometimes we still let them slip because we haven't been paying the right attention to it. But thanks be unto God, we have the help of the Holy Spirit that He will remind us what the Lord has said. He will remind us how he instructed us. He will remind us what he told us to do in that situation. And so we need the things that he brings to our remembrance. We need the way that he teaches us in our life. It also says in John chapter 15 some other things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. John chapter 15, verse 26 But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. He will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit is always going to point us to the Word, because Jesus is the Word made flesh. And the Holy Spirit is always going to point us to the victory in Christ. He's going to point us to Jesus. Jesus the Word and Jesus the risen Savior, the King. He's going to point us to Jesus. He's going to testify to us or witness to us Jesus. And so in situations that you hear things and you're not sure, did that come from God? Because there's a a lot. The Bible tells us that as the last days come, there will be people standing up and saying, this is what God is saying. If it's not a trusted voice... And even there have been some people that used to be trusted voices, and they've said some things that I'm like, I don't trust that. 
What you said is not bearing witness with the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And so I'm going to walk in love, but I'm going to set that aside. I'm not going to put that in my eyes and in my ears because I don't want that in my heart. And we've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that he can help us understand when we hear things we don't have to respond the way everybody else is responding. We don't have to just fall for it because that person has a national TV show. We don't have to fall for it because uh, they say that thus saith the Lord. They say I had a vision from God and Michael Jackson is in heaven sliding down a water slide. Hey, that's going on. And people are listening to it. And if... if if that deception begins, it just leads that down a road of deception. There was a woman who, uh, Brother Hagen, he, uh, he was speaking with a pastor, and this pastor said, I, there was a seminar going on in town, and I took my, my church, my Bible study over to be a part of this, just to encourage, you know, and to support what they were doing at this other church. And I took my, my people over to it. And the first two or three nights, it was really good. It was really good. But about that fourth, fourth session of the seminar, that man started saying some things that were not in the Bible. And I went to him afterward, and I took my Bible, and I said to him, Brother, you said some things tonight that weren't in line with the Bible. And the man responded, he said, oh, I'm far out beyond that thing. And he said, I've, now I'm trying to pull my people out of it. And I'm telling my people, hey, we're not attending this meeting anymore, but some of them had already been seduced by it. They had already been, you know, falling for it. And so they stayed. And so he lost some of his people. But he went to check on this new convert and he said, this new convert, she had been, uh, her and her family had come from China. They had gotten saved. They had, when they got saved, they had like huge Buddha statues in their house. They had been very, very heavy into Buddhism. And they, she said when she got saved, you know, they got rid of all of the idols out of their house. And he said, I went to check on her. And she said, Pastor... The very first night that I was in that Bible study, the Holy Spirit dealt with me. I was so uncomfortable, the Holy Spirit said, this is not for you. And I haven't been back to any of them. She, she had the Holy Spirit testifying to her. The others were, they were hearing it. It sounded good for a while. And you know, the Bible says that Satan comes as an angel of light. I mean, he even used scripture when he was trying to tempt Jesus. So we've got to know the Holy Spirit who will testify to us. And if we hear something, we need to have such a relationship with him that we, he has access to say, turn that off. I've, been, I've, been, I've had things on the radio. He says, turn that off. I've had things on the TV. He said, that's not for you. It might not even be, be something that is contrary, but it's just not the flow for what he has me to focus on. And he'll just tell me, turn that off. That's not for you. You don't need to give your... Because some things just muddy the water. 
We don't, this, listen, we're entering a season that will require the walk of faith. I don't need muddy water. I don't need to be trying to decipher things through all of the chaos and through all these other, other um, uh, things that are demanding attention. I remember hearing Brother Hagen say, you know, that he would go listen to someone who did not necessarily agree with him doctrinally and everything. And he said, but I just learned how to chew the hay and spit out the sticks. And I thought, okay, chew the hay, spit out the sticks. Chew the hay, spit out the sticks. So I had this one minister that I enjoyed certain areas that this minister would teach on. And I liked the presentation. I liked the excitement and the way that they presented it. And so... Um, but there was one area in that person's teaching that they believe God will put you through all kinds of difficult situations and hardships to bring out the anointing in you. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord comes on us to anoint us, that we're anointed because we're in Christ. And so God doesn't have to put me through, through the wine press to bring out the anointing. He already put Jesus through the difficulty. And so the anointing comes from the head, the anointed one, not from the hardship. But this person would, would preach that in the messages that I was, I wanted the, you know, the teaching of the other part. And so I found myself in a difficult situation. And do you know what I had to do before I could even get my shield of faith up? I had to cast down all of that wrong teaching that, that came in through that that it was just a little bit. It would just be a little phrase here and there. It would just be a little two-minute segment of the sermon that would focus on that. But faith comes by hearing. And he says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart flow the issues of life. And so I had allowed some, some things in my heart that when it came time that I needed to use my faith, there was a hindrance of wrong teaching and I had to first go and cast that imagination down and replace it with truth before I could deal with the difficult situation that I was dealing with. I'm helping you right now. I'm helping you understand that you are in, a, you are in development. You, you are in a stage where God is preparing you. He's preparing your life. He's preparing you for victory. And you've got to live like you are in in training, you got to live like you are, are preparing for the gold. You know those Olympic athletes? They don't get to get up and eat McDonald's every morning. They're preparing for the gold. They're eating their Wheaties, right? They're, 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 they're getting up and they're going and they're ice skating or they're swimming their laps. They're, they're doing their gymnastics. Whatever it is that they're preparing for, their food is a major part of their performance. And your spiritual food is a major part of your performance. You need the help of the Holy Spirit because there is not a label on every can in the Spirit. Amen. Wouldn't that be nice if you could just pick up the sermon and find the label, how much sodium, how much, how much carbohydrates, how much, how much unbelief is in this sermon? Is it just two-minute segments, you know? It, but that was enough to, to harm me. 
So because there are not labels on everything that you're hearing, you've got to let the Holy Spirit guide you to know what's safe to listen to, what's of God, what is, is something that is going to uh, benefit you, His plan for your life. So the Holy Spirit will do that, and you can't get that any other way. You can't get it any other way. You can't get this kind of, of witness any other way except him. He is the only one assigned and equipped to help lead you that way. Hallelujah. Uh, let's, in the same chapter, back up and let's look at verse 13. Chapter 16, I'm sorry. Let's go to chapter, did I have you in 15? We're going to go to 16. 16, 13. 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. One of the greatest examples of this word was illustrated to me in a teaching that Rick Renner did about the Holy Spirit. And Rick Renner you know, he lives in Moscow, Russia. He and his family went over a number of years ago to establish a church in Moscow, and, to, and now he's got, a church, he's got two churches and, and television all over the, the area and uh, really reaching uh, for that. But because he was there and he would have different friends and ministers uh, come over to minister at the Moscow church, he, they would want to go sightseeing, and so he would always take them to um, the museum there and the, uh, the different sites. And he became so acquainted with, I think it's the Kremlin, is it the Kremlin? Uh, he was so acquainted with it that he was better than having one of their trained guides. He said, I had been through there so much, and I had studied so many of the different, they have all of the gowns of the czars and the, the different royalty. They have their chariots. They have their, the, all of the gold-ornamented uh, um, uh, harnesses and reins and, and saddles and, and all of the, the crowns. They have all of these things, and he would take people and walk them through, and because he had studied the history on these things so much. He had more information. He was a better guide than a lot of the people who, who were like the paid museum guides. And he said, you know, to go through this place, you need a guide. There's so much to see, and the building is so old, there's only one bathroom, and if you don't know how to get to it, you might embarrass yourself before you find it. Because if you don't know the layout of it, you're not going to find how to get to it. And so he said, no, the guide of the Holy Spirit, he knows every detail about everything God has prepared for you. Amen. He knows every plan, every purpose of God. He knows details and history and, and all the specifics and he knows the places you don't want to get stuck in. He knows the places to lead you into. And he used that as a way. He said this word guide is like a, a, a museum guide. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he will hear, that will he speak. 
and he will show you things to come. Underline that word show. The word show, it means to announce, to declare, or rehearse. He will announce, declare, or rehearse. Hallelujah. Things to come. So not only will he tell you one time, he'll rehearse it for you. You remember what I said? Let's go over this again. Are you glad that your elementary teacher rehearsed the multiplication tables with you? you didn't, I didn't get the multiplication tables the first time that they went through the multiplication tables. We went through them every day. We would get, you know, one set and we would go through them for like a week or two at a time until we were all passing the test. And what was, that was the indicator. You know, if we're ready to move on to the next table, you know, where we've got the twos, we've got the threes, but we haven't passed the fours test, so let's stay with it. And she had a little album. Y'all remember what an album is? Album? A long playing album that she would put on a record player that had a little arm and a needle, and she would put it on there and set it on the fours little category, and it would go over all of the fours timetable. And that's how we learned it, by repeating it, rehearsing it, rehearsing it, and rehearsing it. That's how we got it imprinted in us. And the Holy Spirit, He not only will announce it to you one time, declare it to you, but He'll come back and rehearse it so that you are, you are very skilled in knowing what's coming. We're not supposed to be caught off guard. And this isn't just about coming for the end times. This is, he'll, he'll show you things that haven't happened yet so that you're out in front of it, so that you can make some preparation. You don't have to open your mouth and, and say it either. There are some things we just need to hide in our heart. There are some things the, the devil don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. He does not know. The de- if you don't open your mouth and tell and blab it to everybody, he won't know God said it. That's the thing about the inward witness, that the Holy Spirit can speak some things to us and we can act on them and the, whole, and the devil's sitting there scratching his head saying, why, what are they, what are they doing that for? Why are they going that way? Why are they putting that money back? Why, I've, I have been working all this way to get them and sabotage them and, and set them up for a disaster and here they are avoiding it. Why are they going around my trap? They have, they have avoided my trap all the way. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There was a day that Rick and Denise Renner were in the United States for a conference. And they were excited about getting to see all of their friends. They were going to get to go to the church and have dinner with their friends and then attend the conference. It was uh, something that, you know, they didn't get to do very often because they had been over in Moscow for so long. And, and so they were there in the hotel room that morning, and the Holy Spirit told Rick Renner, I want you to stay in your room tonight. And he, he, he said, stay in my room? Why would the Holy Spirit tell me not to go to church? And he said, Denise, I think the Holy Spirit is telling me to stay in my room, and I don't understand it. Why would it? See, he, he's, he's taken a leading, and he's pulled it up into his reasoning. 
And so he sat all day long reasoning as to why he was supposed to stay in his room. And he said, now the Holy Spirit wouldn't want me to miss church and all my friends are going to be there. And, and, and I was so looking forward to getting to see some of my, my minister friends and stay in my room. And so all day long, he agonized about it. Stay in my room. Why would you want me? But he never could get a piece about it, about, about going. But he, he said, okay, well, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go because it just doesn't make sense. And so he got dressed. He, there was a knock on the door. The, he thought it was the driver. He told it, we'll be down in just a minute. And, and so they went downstairs and, and waited a minute, and the driver pulled up. So it wasn't the driver knocking on the door. They got in the car. They're, they're all the way over there in the car. He's saying, I don't feel like I'm supposed to go tonight. Denise, maybe I should go back to my room. I'm not supposed to go tonight. I'm supposed to stay in my room. And so he goes... They walk in the building. He said, I got to go home. The, the driver said, do you want me to take you back home? He said, yeah, I got to go home. And he was so put out. Now he's mad. Okay. He decides to go home, back to the room. And so he gets in the car and he goes, well, since I'm missing dinner, pull through here and let me get a hamburger. And I'm going to walk across the street to the convenience store and get some, get some uh, uh, toothpaste because we're running out of toothpaste. So, so he's going back. He's He's finally obeying, but he's going back, and he's got a bad attitude and going to stop. So now he's delayed in going back, and so he goes back into his hotel, and he's still saying, Lord, why are you telling me not to go tonight? And he said, when I walked down the hallway and was about to put my hand out and, and open the door, my, my room door was already open. And he said, I pushed it the rest of the way open, and it had been ransacked. And he said... The thieves had had so much time that they took my wife's costume jewelry and set it aside and stole all of her real jewels. They had enough time to sift through and decide what was good. He said, there was a computer in that room that had, I want to say, three books that he did not have a backup copy of. And y'all know what his books are like. He had spent a long time on those books, and they were gone forever. All of his documents to get back into Russia were stolen. His passport, the documents that he needed to reenter, everything. He sat down on the side of the bed and said, I was supposed to stay in my room. It wasn't don't go, it was stay in your room. So he, he had to go through a lot of difficulty just to get back into Russia. He had to go try to get these documents again. And when the police came and, and they did all the different, it was, it was quite an ordeal. Fast forward a number of years, probably about 10 or 12 years later, their family is planning a vacation, and they have planned this vacation all year long. They've bought their tickets. They've made their reservations. They've got this family package deal. They've got family from other parts of the world flying in to be a part of this family vacation. And about two or three weeks before the vacation, he says to his wife, 
we don't need to go. We've got to cancel. And she started to say, but, but Rick, and you hear Denise, but Rick, we've got family coming in. He said, do not in any way try to change my mind about this. Cancel the reservations because the same way he dealt with me about don't leave the room, stay in the room. I have this. It's, it's the same way he dealt. You see what I'm saying about if I'll let him lead me, I'll recognize how he led me last time. I'll identify that was the Holy Spirit and I overrode it. But this time I'm not going to override it. And so he said, cancel the tickets. I don't care what it costs. I don't care how much money we lose. We're not going. And so she said, okay. And they let the family know and everyone canceled their tickets. The day they were scheduled to be at that hotel, a tsunami came in and the hotel was completely wiped out. They would have been in the center of where the tsunami hit in that region, in the center on the beach. But he said, that's what he said, the same way I felt when the Holy Spirit told me not to leave the room is the same way I feel about this, and I'm not going to override it this time. Now, here's what I want to identify to us. It's possible to, to hear something in my spirit and pull it up into my head and reason it away. That's why I've got to let, allow this practice. I've got to deal with the Holy Spirit, interact with Him, so that I become quick to obey. Because I don't have to... Now, it's right for us to be wise. I'm not saying... Uh, that I'm not saying just randomly. I'm saying when the Holy Spirit is dealing with us and He prompts me to do something, I don't want to override it with my rational thinking and 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 talk myself out of it. So that's why I need to know it was Him. That's why I need to know that's the Holy Spirit. And I don't have, I don't have time to, to spend three days trying to decipher, <laughs> was that him or me or the pizza I had last night? <laughs> I need to know that was him. So I was leading song service on a Sunday night. I got done leading song service. Pastor Marie was with me. She was armor bearing for me that night. I walked right down the aisle, and as I'm walking down the aisle to go get a drink of water, because it was one of those song services, you know, I was wet with sweat, I was thirsty, it had been, we had been, and so I'm walking down the aisle right there, and the Holy Spirit said, go home now. And I looked at, at Marie Price, Pastor Marie, and I said, I've got to go home now. I couldn't explain it, I didn't have any reason for it, and she said, Okay, and at the time we lived here in DeSoto, I grabbed my keys. I had left one of, of my children at home. That child said that they weren't feeling well that night, and so I gave mercy and said, okay, you can stay home from church. When I pulled up into the driveway, there was a car in my driveway that didn't belong in my driveway, and I walked in just in time. 
just in time. Moments later, would have been too late. I walked in just in time to stop an adult from doing something to my teenager they had no right to do. Moments. If I had said, well, let me wait, let me call, I didn't know any details, but I knew he said, go home now. Hallelujah. Now, that, that's a dramatic. Brother Ricks was dramatic, but hear me. Hear, hear me as your pastor. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you on things that are not major decisions. He, would, he might ask you to turn left at the stop sign, and you say, why am I turning left? Just turn left and say, Lord, I think that you were prompting me to do that. I don't know why, and I don't need to know why. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about being weird, and, and, but I'm talking about being accurate. He would rather teach you. I heard Pastor Nancy Dufresne say, she said, I was going in to buy a couch. I had cash to pay for the couch. And I walked up to the counter about to pay for the couch, and the Holy Spirit said, don't buy the couch. And she said, why don't you want me to buy the couch? I got money to pay for the couch. It's the couch that, that'll work in my living room. And, I, it, and he said, because I'm trying to teach you how to obey me. I'm trying to teach you. And sure enough, he led her to a better couch, but the, the, it was not about the couch. It was about, if I give you an instruction, will you, will you follow my instruction so that I can teach you how I, how I deal with you so that when I tell you, listen, that Hurricane Ian that came through, there was a person in the Sarasota church of Keith Moore's church who a few weeks before had a prompting of the Holy Spirit, sell your house today. She sold her house in three weeks. Within three weeks, she didn't hesitate, you know, for her to, to get it sold. I mean, to be in the office, signing the papers, the house is now officially sold. It took her instant obedience. She said, I, sold, I, I signed the papers on that house on October the 1st. She said, when the hurricane came through, my house was totally washed away. It's gone. But she sold it, and so she, she was preserved. Yes. Hallelujah. Wow. And the, the, God doesn't want to wait till it's something like that. She, she had to have that already to sell your house. You got to know that's the Holy Ghost. Yes. You know, you're not going to just be, okay, well, I think it might be. I'm not sure. No, this, he wants us to be certain. A certainty. A certainty. Don't have to explain it. We don't have to. He is not required to explain all the reasons. That's, do you see the faith walk? If he prompts me, he doesn't have to explain to me why. If he prompts me, I want to give him my obedience. Without requiring him to show me. We are not living in the same situation that Gideon was living in. 
Gideon did not have the Holy Spirit in him to testify or show him things or to rehearse things to him. Gideon said, Lord, if it's you, let the cotton be dry, the fleece be dry, and the ground around it wet. And God did that for him. And then he got up the next day and said, Lord, if it's you, let the ground be dry and the fleece be wet. And God did that for him. But we don't put God to those tests. That's not... That's not the way we interact with God. He lives in us. He didn't live in Gideon. Gideon didn't have the ability to to hear from God in his heart. We do. The spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord, the candle of the Lord. God deals with us in our spirit. He wants to become so, so proficient in the inward witness that he doesn't have to do anything else because the devil can manipulate a word. The devil can give a person a dream. The devil can, can give a vision. It, it, can be, it, can, it can look like God because it was spectacular. Do y'all remember when Brother Hagin, he was healed and he had gotten up out of bed that first time after being in his bed bedridden for a year and a half and the Holy Spirit, he'd been meditating on the word and he got up out of bed and went to breakfast that morning and his, he, he had been healed, but he was still 86 pounds and, and had no, no muscle on him and he was tired and so he said, I'm going to go back and lay down and rest and so he went back to his room to rest and he heard a voice say, it is appointed unto man wants to die and then the end or something like that. And he said, well, I know that's in the scripture. So God must have healed me and now he's going to take me. And I don't, why did God heal me and now I'm going to die? And so when lunchtime came around, he didn't even go to lunch. He was, pre- he was preparing to die. He said, I sat there all day long thinking, I'm going to die now because I heard this voice say, it is appointed unto man wants to die. I'm going to die now. And so he's sitting there. His mom brings lunch in. He didn't want the lunch. And he's, he's sitting there thinking how hard this is going to be on his mom that now he was healed and, she, and then he died anyway. And, and, and so he's... Reason, what is he doing? He's all up here in his mind. He's all over here in his emotions. And he, he's sitting there in his rocking chair thinking about what the voice said. And he's, uh, he's just assumed it was God because it was scripture. And it, and it was spectacular. He said it felt like all of the hairs on his arms stood up. It was spectacular. It was booming. And so he was convinced it was God. And he said right here in my heart I heard with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. But he immediately discarded that, disregarded it, because the spectacular voice and the scripture was, it, it was scripture and it was loud. It was pointed unto man. It was spectacular. So he said, again, he, he's sitting there a few hours later, in the rocking chair waiting to die, and this comes up in his spirit. With long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. And he, again, disregarded it and went back and reminded himself how spectacular the voice was. 
that it was so loud and it made his hair on the arm stand up and it was the scripture. And so it must be gone. God's going to take me today. The third time that it came up in his heart, with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation, he responded. Remember, we're, we're learning how to interact with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was reminding him what Jesus had said, but he wasn't responding to what the Holy Spirit was saying. We've got to learn how to respond. If you'll learn to ask him the right questions, ask the right questions. How can I do that? How can we have a debt-free plane? Show me how. That's what I want to know. Learn to ask the right question. What question is going to bring out of him the response that I'm going to need in this situation? So he responded this time. That's the only difference. Brother Hagin said, I responded with the question, is that in the Bible? And immediately in his heart, he heard it's in Psalm 91. And he said, so I looked under the bed where the, he, the Bible was under his chair or something. He'd been sitting there all day long, didn't have the Bible. He finally reached down and got the Bible that had been under the chair this whole time and opened it up. And sure enough, there it was in Psalm 91. And he learned that day that even though it was spectacular, it wasn't God. And isn't that what the prophet found out? It, it, God wasn't in the loud wind. God wasn't in, in all of these loud, outward. It was the still, small voice. Because Romans chapter 8, and we'll close with this, and, and, and honor the Lord with our tithe and our offering. Let's look at Romans 8. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself... If your Bible says itself, put himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. How, this is one of the most important things you will ever know in your life, that you're a child of God. Amen. That is one of the most important things you will ever know. And how did he choose to witness that to you? Or to identify that to you. By the inward witness. The Holy Spirit testifying or witnessing. Bearing witness. Now, bearing witness. Bearing witness. That's a phrase that needs to become very, very um, familiar to us. This way is his way. This is the Holy Spirit's way. This is God's chosen, preferred method to talk to you. Amen. This is God's preferred method to talk to you, to witness to you, bearing witness with our spirit. In other words, you have a green light. If you don't know peace in your life, it'll be hard to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because... The peace is one of the ways that you'll sense the witness of the Spirit of God if you have peace about it. But if you're not living a life that's governed by peace, if there's so much chaos, 
and so much demand and so much going on, and there's never any time to hear from God and to let this peace be in place in your life, it will be hard to hear because of all the noise of the demands of life. So the bearing witness is something that we need. He, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's a pro. Expert teacher. Expert. You won't find it. And he knows how to teach you the way you're designed to learn. He's not going to force you to learn the way the rest of the class is learning. If you learn a special way, he knows how to teach you that way. He is expert teacher, and he, in the bearing witness with, that is something the enemy cannot duplicate because he's not in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, and if you'll learn to live a life interacting with him, your life will be accurate because he'll bear witness with you in the small things so that when it comes to a major thing, you've got that witness. Hallelujah. 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 We need what he is for us. You'll hear Sister Pat Harrison. She says, I love the Holy Spirit because he is to me everything Jesus said he would be. We need to let him be everything Jesus said he would be. We need, we need our, listen, I began to pray this a number of years ago. Lord, I want my finances to look like you run them. <laughs> because at the time, they were looking like I ran them. <laughs> And I, I started saying that, and I don't know where it came from. I think the Holy Spirit just put it in my mouth, gave me the idea, Lord, I want my finances to look like you direct them, like you are the one setting the budget for my life, that you are the one directing my finances. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I want every area of my life to look like he's in charge of it. Amen. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, I don't have to do anything on my own. I don't have to do anything with my wisdom only. With my intellect only. I have access to the intellect of God. The wisdom of God for every decision I need to make. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to press pause. We'll, we'll see where the Holy Spirit takes us tonight in this homework. But I hope you wrote those five things down. And, and in your own study time, we've got series on them. We've got books on, on some of those topics. Begin to feed along those lines. Because the Holy Spirit speaks that to us for a reason, to prepare us so that we'll be, we'll be equipped.